it was exciting, but it was also very daunting because you didn't know what was going to happen. At that point, we didn't know the supply was going to continue or like if we were going to be shut down or if it was only going to be for a week. We'd gone from, you know, taking 50 orders a week to 150 orders a day. Is people are thinking about what's important. And it's taken people back to the thinking about food and the importance of food, not only food security, which is something that's really important, but also like sharing meals with people. If you don't have a connection to something, then you consume without thought. And if you consume without thought, you'll waste without thought. Welcome to Add to Cart, the podcast that Express delivers all you need to know in the fast-moving world of e-commerce. Every month, Nathan Bush from 12 High and an e-commerce industry expert will share the news, research and insights that you need to know to keep you at the top of your game. And of course, keep your customers adding to cart. Hello and welcome to Add to Cart. My name is Nathan Bush, host of Add to Cart and e-commerce strategist at 12 High. A special shout out and welcome to our Melbourneian listeners who are slowly emerging out of lockdown. We have a special treat for you today. We have one of your local legends joining us on Add to Cart. Brother and sister duo Oliver and Ruby Hagen from, you guessed it, Hagen's Organics will join us to share how they've converted the traditional butcher shop model into an online institution. In today's conversation, we're going to cover everything from how live stream video can really connect with your audience even if you're not really live streaming, the impact of picking up the phone and calling customers and how they had to quickly triple their staff to 75 when COVID hit. I thoroughly enjoyed this chat. Just make sure you've eaten beforehand because you'll probably get very hungry throughout. So let's get into it. Thanks to our partners, Shopify Plus and Signet. Here's our conversation with Oliver and Ruby Hagen from Hagen's Organics. Oliver and Ruby Hagen, welcome to Add to Cart. Hello, how are you going? Thank you so much for having us. Good, good. Thank you for joining. I'm super pumped about this. As a as a non-Melburnian, I've heard a little bit about the the Hagen's Organics cult that's uh, starting up, <laughs> especially in lockdown. So let, I'm really keen to dive into it. We might start right at the start where I understand you guys are a family business with your dad starting it over 20 years ago. Can you give us a little bit of a background on Hagen's Organics and how you guys got into the business and how you've transitioned it into online? Um, so, yeah, my, our dad started it in 1999. So, he started off actually by opening an organic fruit and veg shop and then he went into meat in 1999. So, you went vegetarian to meat, not the other yeah. way around. <laughs> I know, I know. It's weird, isn't it? So, all of these customers kind of were like, you guys should do meat, you should do meat. Um, so, dad just was like, sure. Why, why the hell not? Let's, let's give it a go. So he jumped into organic meat in the prime market and then um, soon closed the fruit bed shop and opened up another shop in the Queen Victoria market. And then, yeah, I suppose the rest is history. That's awesome. So, guys, now that you are online, were you, were you both the generation that influenced that transition from the markets into online? Um, I think I'll take this one. So, <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, for me, I started working in the business when I was, I think, at about 13. I came in and always worked in the shops. Then I um, a bit of a love-hate relationship with it. And then I went, you know, uh, worked there and they didn't want to work there. And I, I started, I did a biomedical, started a biomedical science degree and then I left. And then I worked in the shop for a year because the biomed wasn't working for me. And I was like, well, what do I want to do? And I was like, look, I, I love what I do. I love working in the markets spent my whole life there 
I want to stay doing this, but I want to take a new spin on it. So I went and did an um, yeah, entrepreneurship degree, at um, business degree at, at Swinburne University. And from there, I sort of, I think I was exposed to a lot of like those ideas of startups and online. And, and so I was just kind of like, look, I really love to bring that into the business because I was sort of working part, uh, sorry, studying part-time and working full-time. And I was like, look, you know, I feel like we need an online presence. If you're not online, you're not anything. This is back in like 2010, 2011, 2012. I was like, look, we've got to do this. And there'd be no other butchers online at that point? No, nah, no. Nah. And so we started it and it was like, I, I kept, I started it and it was just like, it's been a slow burn. I had a really lovely guy who worked with me and he sort of helped me sort of drive it at that stage. And we, we just kept going and kept trying, kept trying and, you know, droobs and drabs of orders. And it was just like, oh, this isn't really working. And, and then when Broobs came on board, sort of more full time after my dad passed away, I think it, sort of like 2015, was it Rubes? Mm, right about 2015, yeah. 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 And then I sort of said, oh, Rubes, can you like help me out with this? And sort of Rubes helped out quite a lot with it as well and then got on board with the website. And um, still just didn't really didn't really kick off yeah. uh, until, you know, uh, sort of COVID hit. Yeah. And I think there was a – I was actually chatting about some with this, someone this morning and uh, I think there was a lot of factors at play at that. You know, we were really lucky because we set ourselves up. Like we had a system to order online. We knew people could do it. I think there was a couple of triggers that needed to happen for people to sort of get over purchasing food or consumables online and trusting that somebody can supply you something for what you order. You know, the people are okay with that with clothes and and stuff that they felt they could send back, but having food, I think there was a lot of, especially in this, like, you know, obviously America and and the UK had kind of done it and normally we're sort of like 10 years behind America in terms of uptake and I feel like that was – this helped speed that along. It was like, all right, well, we have to do it now. And then once they did it, we're like, oh, hang on a second. Like mm. these guys do a good job. Yeah. Then it was like, we can do this every week. And so I feel like that sort of, that's where this sort of evolved for us. Everyone, I think, was just really scared of the unknown. They were scared about how it happened, where, you know, if they were to leave it, like how it transported. They were just, it was just a very big unknown bubble, I think, that people were. Especially in Australia. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Was there anything in particular that helped that you find helped people get over that weirdness of ordering from a butcher online? I think just communication and just being like really open to customers about, you know, the transport, how it does get transported, you know, making sure that there's like it's packaged correctly. I think that was a huge thing and also communicating that. But yeah, I think communication was just a huge one. And from your point of view, setting setting this up as an e-commerce store, was there anything that surprised you operationally that you really had to overcome to get a butcher online? I think the biggest thing with like operational side of things, it, it, one one thing is um, actually getting butchers to embrace it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this isn't going to work. You're spending all this time on this online stuff. This is silly. This is <laughs> da, da, da. Luckily, we've got some uh, some good young butchers who work at my factory who actually understand the digital age. But, you know, there is some like <laughs> older guys who, who found it a bit challenging to understand at first. So it, operationally, getting people to accept it. And then mm. I, I think the biggest part was the biggest turning point for us was working out – we didn't have to provide everybody with everything, you know what I mean, to say, okay, mm. we, we need, you know, mince it, 250 grams, 500 grams, a kilo, so people could select. Just going to go, okay, well, really having a look at the data and going, okay, well, what are people buying? Mostly by multiple of the 500 grams. 
all right, everything's 500 grams. You know what I mean? Doing things like that. They were the challenge of trying to work out those little bits and pieces, which helped us sort of streamline things and make things a bit more efficient. Yeah, and luckily we kind of made all those decisions like before COVID as well, which I think if we were still doing the 250, 500 kilo, all of that, it would just be an absolute mayhem. So it was good that we set ourselves up, I think, in that way. So start simple and then go from there. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm probably well underplaying you and you may be cringing there when I call you a butcher shop. You are much, much more than that. When, when you look at the website, um, it's phenomenal, some of the, the things that you guys offer. Tell us what sets you apart from, from your standard butcher. I think the thing that really sets us apart is, one, it's our, our sort of transparency with our customers. It's really important. Mm. We found it really important to be really honest and open about what we do and where we get our product from and, and who we get our product from. And then also like we brought in like because of we have had this massive background in food, I think, you know, our ability to then now bring in lean on some of our old connections, connections that we've had for 30, 20, 30 years, our family, and be able to bring in, you know, a fruit and veg element to what we're doing. You know, we've been in the market so we know people in seafood, so to bring seafood into what we're doing and to do it in a way that we sort of bypass that whole like, oh, we don't know what we're doing. We've kind of half, do we know this? Is this the right person to buy off? Da, 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 da. We, because we've been doing it for so long, we can go, okay, mm. if we don't know about it, we know someone who knows enough about it to be like, all right, mm. who's the best person to buy off? And that's really sort of helped push us good product online, I suppose. Do you agree, Ribs? Mm. Yeah, definitely, definitely, 100%. Yeah. I think that's definitely the main one is just, yeah, being really transparent with our customers. I, I Like a lot of other butcher shops and other places, I think, do kind of, leave that bit out a little bit and I think that our main goal is just to really show people where their produce comes from and um, really tell the stories of farmers and producers. Jenny Craig has been helping Australians lose weight since 1983 but did you know that until recently the website purely served to support customers visit a physical store or call a consultant? Luckily, Jenny Craig partnered with Shopify Plus to launch their new online ordering system. This includes a drag-and-drop meal plan, HubSpot CRM integration, and time-based delivery options for all that cold stuff. They've already achieved a 2.5% conversion rate without any marketing and are now looking to stack on the pounds. I mean, dollars. To read more of Jenny Craig's story and see other case studies, visit the customer section on shopify.com.au forward slash plus. It feels like the online presence is core to your business. It doesn't feel like it's just an add-on or an afterthought where someone's gone, oh, we'll try this and we'll give it a go and it can sit over there and we'll do our main business through the markets Mm. or through our shop fronts. It really Mm. feels core to what you are as a brand and an offering. Yeah, definitely. And I think we w- it was like that before COVID, but I think that COVID has really kind of pivoted our business in that way where it really made the online store its own its own self, basically, like rather than being just like an, a side thing that we're trying to do. Yeah. So, you guys are based in Melbourne. You're in the middle of a lockdown at the moment. Tell us about the impact that COVID has had on your business and what kind of growth that you're seeing because of that. Uh it's the price. It's you know we're, we're we're pretty lucky. We've we've been um, you know we've got the good end of the deal on this one. I think, <laughs> and not to say like you know not to downplay the amount of effort we put in prior to this and and having these sort of systems in place. But you know this has sort of allowed us to to grow sort of exponentially at the moment. It feels like 
you know, we're in a beer business that's been 20 years old, but like the meat side of our business anyway. But it feels like we're in a startup, you know. It's just mm. kind of like things are happening so fast and we're, we're learning so fast. And, you know, we went from 25 employees to 75 employees in the last – in less than you know since like March, really. Yeah. Wow. So and is, that, is that across the whole business, not just the online side? It is across mainly the whole business. Mainly online. I mean, it, mainly it, online. yeah, like it, it is across the whole business, but mainly online. Like, you know, we've hired new packing staff and new marketing staff, and yeah. so yeah, there's main, mainly that is online, um, like packers, drivers, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it, it kind of like our, our business grew really, really quickly, and then it was just like trying to put things in place. And I think you know, COVID, as I said, it forced people online, but it also forced people mm. to really think about, uh, you know, one of the benefits of it, I suppose, is people are thinking about what's important. Mm. And it's taken people back to the thinking about food and the importance of food, There's not only food security, which is something that's really important, but also like sharing meals with people, Yeah, you know, and, and the brilliance of cooking food and sharing with people. And I think that's really impacted how we operate because people are like, look, I want to go to the butcher. One, like, you know, people can't, like, even when they leave this, it's not like, you, you know, there's not going to be a lot of money floating around Australia for a bit. Well, you know, to go out and spend a hundred bucks per person on dinner was people used to would do that no dramas you know now they can think okay well look i can spend 200 bucks i can feed five people and i can also have grog and we can have a great time and have a curated experience and a fun experience at home and i think bringing that has really helped us grow as well so yeah it's it's pretty special at the moment yeah Mm. Mm. because kind of ethical and quality was a huge trend pre-covid right is a there was a certain segment of the audience where they were they were willing to pay more for that ethical high quality produce but they knew where it was coming from and i'm assuming COVID to your point there um oliver that, that that's just amplified it what was the first thing you did when when melbourne went into lockdown that first time um and you went wow this is going to totally change our <laughs> business you, you've, you've mentioned tripling your stuff but sh- where yeah. was the first point that you went we've got to change this straight away uh i think it was i think it was like it happened i remember it happened on a sunday and then sales kicked Mm. up at the stores we're like oh god what's going on here and then we started seeing sales coming online and um, i'm like oh like shit yeah (laughs) and um i'm i'm you know in in our working relationship between me and rubes i'm the accelerator and and rubes tends to be a bit more of the break um trying to pull me back (laughs) what i want to do so i'm kind of like let's go let's do more let's do this let's do that let's have to take a it's you know we've gone from you know taking 50 orders a week to 150 orders a day 200 orders a day so um having i'm like oh let's let's do more let's do more let's do more so like the biggest thing in, in that sense was just us like it, it happened so quickly it was that we'd already sort of planned for this it, we just didn't explain for mm. it to happen so quickly so it was just sort of acting yeah. in trying to like scramble and put everything that we thought we would have to do over a number of years into a number of weeks yeah and at, in that moment was that exciting what was the feeling there was it exciting or was it daunting was it stressful it was a bit of both really it was exciting but it was also very daunting very daunting because you didn't know what was going to happen and we like you know at that point we didn't know really if the supply was going to continue or like we were going to be shut down or if it was only going to be for a week and then it was going to die or yeah yeah i think i think on the supply front it was just you know and that's the benefit about what we do is we have like relationships with suppliers so we have relationships with farmers directly 
So we pay more. So normally we pay more for stuff and, and we, we build this relationship and our sort of thing is like, you know, everybody's got to make money. I got to make money. They got to make money. We work with families. It's really important for everybody in the supply chain to make money. And then I think because of that, it then flipped and all these people that were dealing with large companies who then got said, oh, we can't sell you as much stock. Or we can't sell you as much of this. We can't do this. Our suppliers were like, yeah, we can give you what you want. I'm like, all right, <laughs> sweet. Thanks. Mm. And they're just allowed us to supply people. It was just like, you know, dealing with a pig mm. farmer in Kilmore and be like, all right, dude, like double your pig order. Yeah, no props. Easy. Yeah, because you had that channel set up ready to go. Yeah, mm. exactly. And and what I love is on your website is that you've got these partners, but you actually feature them, right? So there's not many retailers yeah. who would feature their suppliers on their own website um, and actually give them a profile and build them up. But you've done that across so much on your website. Like the transparency, like you said, is is just coming through so clearly. You even teach your your own customers in a, in a class how to butcher their own meat. You're a butcher, but you're teaching other people how to butcher their own meat. And there was one quote on the website that really caught my eye, and it was about that you should only be eating meat three to four times a week. Um, it's better for our health, better for the animals, better for the environment. Like that's a quote from you, Oliver, on your website telling people, to limit their meat consumption coming yeah. from butcher. Yeah, so yeah, to me, yeah. that's fantastic. Was that was that that kind of transparency around your suppliers, around your, your ethics? Was that all deliberate from the start, or is that grown over time? Um, I think it's sort of been deliberate from the start. It was sort of like we've always had that like organic food and organic aspect in, in what we do. I think it's naturally evolved as well. Yeah, it's evolved, and I think like the biggest thing for us, you know, especially around that comment about meat, it's like. Like one of my firm beliefs, it's it's our issue, you know, and not getting too big into this, but our issue within in in, in the environment and, and all this stuff is not what we consume, but how we consume. So it's you know it's about you know consuming fast and wasting fast and not having connection to where your things from because if you don't have a connection to something, then you consume without thought, and if you consume without thought, you waste without thought. Oh, this steak is off a shelf, you know, it, it you don't realize that it's. It's from an animal. You don't realize that a farmer worked really hard for it. You don't you don't realize any of that stuff. And therefore, for it to go to its use by date and be thrown in the bin is, oh, it's nothing. I can get it off the shelf again. Mm-hmm. Understanding where it's from gives it more weight. And that, that developing that connection, it's a connection we've completely lost, especially in cities. Mm-hmm. I think for us, it's just so important to be like, hey, look, this is like, this has got weight. And we don't want you, yes, our prices are higher. We don't want you to eat meat all the time because one, it's not the right thing to do. This is the true cost of what it, to produce it. So eat good, eat less, but eat quality. And I think that's mm-hmm. like one of the biggest things that we've wanted to sort of push mm-hmm. towards people and get people understanding. Mm-hmm. What what tips would you give people in their everyday lives if if they want to be sure of the source or, or, or of their food or produce? Mm-hmm. What kind of tips would you give people when they're at the butcher, when they're at the supermarket to look for? Just asking, the, ask the questions. I mean, at the supermarket, I suppose it is quite hard because they don't provide you with a lot of information. Like you look at the packet and it says like $9.99. It doesn't tell you where it's from. Whether in the butcher, I feel like it's just about asking the questions and like really testing them to find out sort of where it is from, what it's fed, how long kind of the their lifespan has been, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And and how do you train your team to make sure that they're on message as well? Because you said, you know, you're up to 75 staff there. Obviously, a lot of the ethos that's coming through is from yourselves and your family's backgrounds. How do you train your team to fall in line 
or not fall in line, but share that, <laughs> share that, share um, that as well so that it comes yeah. across to your customers in the right That's way. Something that we're working on. We're working on yeah, yeah, we're working on that a lot yeah. now. Like we've, we really had to go back and sort of build, you know, build a really strong business structure, which we're trying to sort of flush out in the last couple of weeks because it's sort of like, I, you know, a week or two ago and I, and I was like, we're just kind of looking and like, shit, you know, if we don't do something to mm. do, uh, to put something in place now, we're not going to be really be able to take stronger action and do something uh, and move forward. So in that, there was that whole training and that buy-in for people. So that's what we really want to sort of work on. I think, you know, when we were smaller, it was just sort of just talking to them, just talking, being there, yeah. taking customer, taking um, offering to take people out to farms, off, off, yeah. meeting the producers, meeting the farmers, you know. Um, we had time to do that as well where now it's quite hard because we want to go out to the stores and talk to everyone, but, it, you know, we just physically don't have the time to do it right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And is there a special way you qualify new people coming into the business to make sure that they meet that? I think it's just like we want people to have a curiosity and a willing to le- willingness mm-hmm. to learn, you know what I mean? Like it, the biggest yeah. thing and, you know, it, can't be understated is is make sure people match they sort of fit in with what we do sort of match your culture you know mm. everyone talks about culture and, and as long as they sort of mm. do that I, it doesn't really bother me if you don't know much about me it's like if you're interested in food and you're interested in you kind of give a shit and we'll teach you and it's easy to learn like it's it's if you care about what you're doing it's easy to learn about it you know yeah i love i love the curiosity side of it i think people with curiosity is just just linchpins for your business. Now, turning to your customers, because um, I have my local butcher here in Brisbane that I love. He always recognizes me when I come in, knows what I order, knows that my little boy just comes with me to the butcher. He won't go with me anywhere else just so he can get a, a Cheerio. Probably, <laughs> the wor- probably the worst, sorry, least sustainable meat in the world. But there's that local butcher connection. How do you guys manage your connection with your customers uh, in an online setting? Do you really run the data or is it more personalized one-to-one stuff? We have um we have started calling customers. That's a big one, like um yeah. you know I, actually just reaching out to customers and, and speaking to them on the phone. And I think we sort of like we had that like we had that connection to begin with as like that mm. touch and feel. Like we built our our everything on that, you know. And um and then yeah, recently it's as things have changed. One, it's like our level of connection with like our, our like customer response and talking and emailing and da, 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 da. like that's what we're doing. We have a couple of little tricks up our sleeve, which we want to roll out in the next month or so to try and improve that experience and really try and give people that butcher shop experience at home. But we're, we're looking at the data. We're looking at like obviously feedback from our, from our staff. We're looking at the data from Google. We're looking at the data from Facebook. We're like, who's interacting with us? Who's interacting with our brand? Um, we're using all of that, but I don't think anything really beats talking to someone. So, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I sort of like what we really want to plan on doing and, and, and hopefully roll out soon is, is really trying to just make sure you have that connection. You have that person to call, you have the person to chat to, you know, follow up on your order or, or, or you know, even just ask a couple of questions. So I think that's yeah. that's very important. Ruby sort of been pushing that quite a bit you know you used to you used to know all the online customers didn't you yeah you know who was yeah i was on the other end of every email replying to customers answering them you know creating great relationships but again since all of this has blown up and since we have got bigger i just again i don't have the time to do it but i think that it is really important to kind of call customers and and really speak to them and i think that's the best way to create the connection what kind of reactions have you got from customers who have received kind of a proactive call out of the blue from you um 
Well, I haven't actually personally called people yet, so I can't really say. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I have. We have <laughs> other people, like, other people doing that now. Um, but um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that they've been extremely pleased um, and possibly shocked to hear that their butcher is calling them to see how their sort of order is going. Because I, I mean, I don't even know many businesses that I've ordered online who have called me after I've had my order delivered. No, I think yeah. it's such a yeah. such a great thing to be doing is those proactive calls um, mm. to your most valuable customers. It goes such a long way. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's not even to the sort of most valuable. I think it's just to everyone, you know, and that's how you kind of make them the long-time customers. Aussie e-commerce packaging company Signet is passionate about helping Aussie retailers transform their packaging processes with over 5,500 products available online and distribution centers across Australia. Signet has packaging well and truly covered. Signet proudly supports me and this podcast, as well as over 60,000 Aussie businesses, including small family-owned companies like Murchison River Swags, to Australia's largest retailers, including Mecca, IKEA, Lush Cosmetics, and T2. Visit signet.net.au to find out more. Now, the content through your site is beautiful. You've got recipes, you've got images, you've got video, you're all across the social. Can you tell us a little bit about your content creation process? I'm assuming you don't just load up butchers with a load of iPhones and let them go nuts um, (laughs) and upload to your social. Tell us how you bring all that together. I think it's been a bit of a journey on that one uh, for us. When we started doing it, we, we really wanted to cement ourselves as like a source of knowledge for people like you know we wanted people to be able to look to us and go okay well you know how do i do this so it's you know obviously ties back to where it's from but and then uh, we were like we sort of had this plan in place and we're sort of stumbling around with it and how we're going to do this and then um again when all this sort of hit um our cousin pat Oh, cousin Pat, he's everywhere. Yeah, yeah he's um, cousin Pat. Got a, a bit of a cult hero, Pat. Um, he he he, he is, um he became available, and you know, me and him always cook together. Like we cook together, all like cook ups, weekends, family things, whatever. We love to to do that. And he was able to come on board with us. He's also like a graphic designer and a photographer. And he was like, "Yeah, look, I'm going to start churning out some." Like we said, "Can you start churning out some web like recipes? We need them." couple of weeks and he started with that and then you know we, we were again lucky enough to get a, a, a couple of people on board that were just yeah. they're just brilliant you know these creatives that are looking for work and they're like hey yeah we can help out with this or we can do this or we can do that and it sort of sort of stemmed from there and 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 they were attracted to your brand like they came to you saying i've got ideas or i'd love to work with you well, a, lot of, a lot of them were friends they're just friends yeah. yeah they were just like out of work and we're just like hey man we need someone to do our videos yeah i can do this yeah um somebody was you know uh, uh, shani who i think you've spoken to she was going to do she was going to move to barcelona and she had her own business catering business and now she's running our social media and she's just like killing it so just lucky enough to have these people come across our our path because of this and, and mm. take them on board. And this has helped us sort of build our strategy out and, and build out what mm. we do. Yeah, brilliant. And is it a test and learn approach in that you kind of give a fair bit of rope to try new things um, and see what yeah. what hits the mark? Yeah, we just got to give it a go. You just you, We're sort of of the opinion is like, you know, just learn from your mistakes and just try something. And if it doesn't work, what's a big deal? You know what I mean? It's a flop on on Instagram. You know, it's, it's so yeah it's such a consumable thing it's like bang it's gone it's yeah. like don't worry about it just try the next thing out see if that works yeah. see what gets a 
you know, see what happens. And as soon as you find something that people like, pick it up and run for it for a while. You know, don't overburn mm. it, but just go with it and see. And just, yeah, I think it's just giving people the freedom to be creative. I think that mm. creates the best result. Yeah. Guys, you've experimented a lot with live streaming, especially in lockdown, and um, I've seen some of the cooking classes and everything mm. that you've been doing with people in lockdown. How's live streaming going for you? Because I'm fascinated about it. Well, we did um, we did try and do a live stream with um, a, a wine shop down here in Melbourne, and that was actually our only official live stream because it just didn't work. <laughs> that was a nightmare. That was a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, most uh, – most of them, the little secret is to have them pre-recorded. Make them look like it's a live stream, but pre-recorded. <laughs> what went wrong with the live live streaming? We just it just kept dropping out, and it just wouldn't connect. And like mm. me and Reeves are standing there, we're like just talking, like trying to like provide, you know, some kind of just instead of just looking at the camera and just being like, Ugh. so we're just like trying to chat away, and they kept trying to connect, and it was just kind of like, oh god, this is this is you know, this an isn't absolute working. nightmare. Yeah. yeah, it was a bit of a nightmare. So it was um. We just sort of said, look, I think just for continuity, we're just going to re- still have these interviews. Uh, we're going to record them and we're just going to post them up here. And, um, uh, you know, th- we don't really edit them at all. We just do them straight up just so that we can get them, you know, we know it's consistent. We're only if, you know, there is a couple of dropouts, we can sort of put it in together and it just makes a bit more um, streamlined, I think. Mm. Yeah. So it's more like using your social channels to broadcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I, I and I find that's also good as well because, I mean, a lot of the time people can miss lives and they can, you know, not see it, whether if it's um, pre-recorded, it's just always going to be there so people can always rely on that they're going to be able to see it. 100%. And we've even seen in China um, and, and, and some other places some uh, farmers using live streaming to sell some of their products directly. We've seen that as a real mm. trend coming through. Mm. Do you think you'll ever integrate shopping with your live streaming? Yeah, I think we will. Or, I or, think your, like, or your live broadcasting. Yeah, well, look, no, I think we're going to, like, we will move to live. I think we want to move back to live streaming. We'd love to put some more live things on there. I think that in, in track, like, it, it's really interactive, but I think we just need to make sure that, one, that everybody's got a safe internet connection so we don't have dropouts and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> but I would really love to do some cooking classes or some maybe butchery classes and stuff like that around that live streaming aspect and offer, you know, if that sort of purchasing thing coming through into it could be really cool. You know, like we're talking through a recipe, you know, you get Chuck steak, bang, you can buy Chuck steak. You know, you could be watching me like, oh, yeah, I want to do this. All right, I'm going to buy these ingredients. Bang, 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 buying them. As we're sort of like, hey, what about this? What about that? You know, not infomercial styles. I don't want to be like, you know, standing there going, look at this Chuck steak. But like, um, <laughs> you're the new Tony yeah. Robbins. Yeah. <laughs> On your Facebook page, you've connected shopping in there already, and we haven't got the full Facebook shopping rollout here in Australia yet. But can see there that you've got your products listed and pricing, and it links through those product pages on your website. How's that going for? You? I'm assuming that's kind of still at experimentation stage. Yeah, we're still sort of figuring it out. I think you know the biggest, like we're getting a few sales through it, not massive sales at all, but we're getting like you know drips and drabs, you know. People still want to go to the website and get that full, immerse themselves, I suppose, in that experience. So I think, yeah, our biggest thing with Facebook is, is our advertising at the moment. I think that's like our, our biggest one. But I, I think as people get to know the brand and possibly we can sort of tailor that shopping experience a bit more online because um, it's just like at the moment it's just like sort of photos. But if somehow we can sort of, you know, later on I'm sure we will be able to integrate more of our our personal identity onto that, I think people will use it a bit more. 
you know? Yeah, makes sense. Has there been any breakthroughs in COVID where you've attracted a whole bunch of new customers that you've learned certain channels that are performing much better than others? Yeah, like uh, our newest customers at the moment, like before COVID, our customers, like our demographic was like 35 to 45 year old women was like, that was our demographic. Biggest wasn't it, Rips? That was right? Yeah. 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 And then and then now it's shifted to twenty five to thirty five year olds, mm. like both male and female. Mm. Uh skewing more towards women than, than men, but male and female. I think that's you know, that channel of both Instagram like that's those social channels. Facebook has been a huge one for us and, and Instagram. Yeah, that's allowed us to sort of tap into that and really reach some of those younger people and really sort of show them our brand and, and, you know, our sort of hope with this is that whether they continue to shop online or whatever, we've exposed them to what we do. So hopefully we, you know, either they keep coming shopping online or they decide that now when they're free, they can come and buy from us in store. Yeah. Mm. It must be, it must just be a totally different experience for those um, new customers though to, to receive this level of customer service and quality uh, for the first time. I was poking around your Facebook reviews. And I found a review on there and I'm just going to read it so everyone can kind of hear about it because you can kind of imagine yourself in this customer's shoes. Um, this customer said, Hagen sent me an email apologizing about the mandarins sent, apologizing because they weren't organic due to a supplier accidentally sending them to the wrong produce. They sent me a voucher to use next time. I would never have known about those mandarins. I didn't care anyway. They were sweet and juicy. Bottom line, I'm incredibly impressed with their service, quality and their integrity. Like, to get that kind of customer review about mm. mandarins is phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it just goes back to that kind of thing of us wanting to be really transparent with our customers. And I think that from experience, I've kind of learned the best thing is just to be honest to people. Like, don't make up those little white lies about things that happened or mm. pretend like it's just, just be up and just be like, look, this happened. We fucked up. I'm really sorry. And hope you can figure us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think the biggest yeah. thing like that me and Rubes feel is like because I think because we've been in the business, obviously this business means so much to us and we've been in it for so long and it's been a part of our family. I think, you know, this might be a bit of a downside, but we kind of like bad customer reviews or customer complaints, We I take them personally. You know what I mean? I yeah. actually like. They, I, I feel something. I'm, like, I'm really like, I'm upset that if somebody's had a bad experience, yeah. I'm like, I'm really disappointed that we've let somebody down. Like, I'll get out on a Saturday, and if I have one customer that didn't get something delivered, or even a Sunday, I'm like, oh, I'll just do it. I'll just go out and pick up some produce and drive out personally yeah. to drop it off to them. Yeah. Purely because I'm just like, I would, I just don't want people to have a bad experience with our brand, and yeah. I, it, it, yeah. it's a reflection for us. It's a reflection of who we are. So it's just like, mm. we just want to make sure that people really enjoy that experience. Yeah. yeah, and I think on that as well, I think sometimes people forget that there are sometimes people behind the reviews as well and that, yeah, as Ollie said, we read each and every review and if it is a bad review, you know, sometimes we're on the phone to each other at 10 p.m. on a Saturday night, like genuinely upset that yeah. we've had a bad review. So, it's, you know, it affects us. <laughs> it's good yeah. to take it personally though, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's that's what makes it, you know, it makes us be able to go, okay, well, we want to make sure that, you know, we want to strive for that that excellence. Mm. 
Now, I can't let you go without asking about the brother-sister relationship. We had um, <laughs> Nat, Nat, Nat and Tom on from Mr. Poolman a couple of weeks ago, and um, they're obviously brother and sister working in a family business together, and they made it sound like the Brady Bunch. How's it go for you guys? You get along okay? Yeah, no, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like um, radio silence. No, yeah. <laughs> um, no we, we do. do. We do, yeah. We have a, a we have a really good relationship. You know, we're really lucky that we've had those ups and those downs, and like we sort of complement each quite each other quite well. Um, it's definitely a learning experience, like you know, making sure that yeah. you put the right boundaries in place and that you're you're open and honest. And I think that's sort of the biggest thing that we've had to learn recently is just like we really yeah. have to make sure we have boundaries, and you know, don't call, try not to call each other on a uh, when we see each other on a weekend, start talking about work. Just be like, all right, let's just not yeah. talk about like no work. No work, you know, be really yeah. like, this is work, this is not work. I think yeah. there are a few of those things. Um, but, yeah, you know, definitely. we blew. I think it, we blew. Yeah. That's just like, We're not the Brady Bunch. <laughs> yeah, no, we like, we'll, 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 we'll have, like, you know, you have a go at each other or you piss each other off or you say something and it's like, you know, you're an idiot. And, um, you know, the good thing about it is most of the time we can walk away and in sort of 10 or 15 mm-hmm. minutes we're, we're pretty sweet. And I think this is yeah. part of life. It's what it is. Yeah, it is. Just an extension of childhood, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think it's just about accepting that that stuff does happen rather than sort of, yeah, taking it sort of super seriously and that you can't argue and you can't have those brother-sister moments. I think you're just going to go, okay, that's just us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's great. Now, guys, we've got to wrap up, um, but what is next for Hagen's Organics? I know you guys move fast or... Oliver, you move fast, and Ruby, you put on the brakes. <laughs> what, what do the next few months look like for you guys? Uh, I think Christmas ahead is this is our biggest one for us. Um, so getting ready for that, we have some really cool Christmas campaigns coming out and some some fun things that we want to do for people to interact with and have fun with the brand online. So we've got some some games and things that we think we want to that we want the community to play with us so we're going to we're going to we've got some stuff there and and um you know our, our biggest thing at the moment is to sort of bed ourselves down over the next few months get us through to christmas and then after that we are um looking at where we can go and we have a couple of cool pop-ups coming up as well so we've got two of those yeah. uh opening out in different locations around um melbourne and victoria so uh you know we want people to look out for them and get around it <laughs> How do you plan pop-ups in Melbourne at this point in time? This is our first one. <laughs> yeah, it's our first one. Yeah, uh, we um, we have some really amazing people that work for us, and we yeah we, mm. we just, yeah we just got to staging it out. And I think you know we're lucky. I think it's just gonna we're gonna pull it together. We're just it's good. Yeah. Just, I think it's just about the people that we have with us. I think. Yeah, trust. Yeah. yeah, trusting the people that are around us that they know what we want and you know we know that they can do a good job so yeah yeah. great stuff guys now you have very generously given our listeners in melbourne a coupon code for 10 percent off their first order so i will put that coupon code into the show notes and into the email that goes out as well so thank you very much for that anyone in melbourne who wants some uh quality produce to get them through covid um, (laughs) we'll have that code for you to give it a go um Guys, thank you so much for sharing your story. It's um, been so great to hear about. And I can definitely recommend, even if you're not in Melbourne, go on to hagensorganics.com.au, have a look at how you are taking the traditional butcher online um, and everything else that comes with it because I think it's definitely uh, a great case study in, in how to shake up an industry. Thank you very much. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks so much. <laughs>
What stood out for me in this interview was, apart from being another brother-sister combo who actually still like each other after working together, was their focus on transparency in everything that Hagen's do. They talked about actually advising their customers to eat less meat. They showcased their suppliers on their website when people could go to them direct. And they even teach their customers how to butcher their own meat. A butcher telling customers how to butcher their own meat. Crazy. But while it is transparent, I actually think there's another name for it. It's confidence. We don't see Ruby and Oliver talk about competitors at all. They don't dwell on the bad times. They talked about what they're good at and what their customers need. They are 100% confident that if they stay focused on what they are good at and what customers want, they will succeed. Everything else is just noise or excuses. I know we can't feel this level of confidence every day and all day, but there will be times when we're looking over our shoulders or curled up in a ball crying. But if you can articulate what you are great at and what your customers want, it will certainly help focus you when times get tough. I think Oliver and Ruby do this really well. If you're looking for more e-commerce news, case studies, and research, sign up to 12 High's High 5 newsletter. Every week, I read all the e-commerce news and send you five things which I've found which will help grow your business. Visit 12high.com.au forward slash high five, H-I-G-H five to sign up for free. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep adding to cart.